Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be a discussion of Moroni chapter 4. During the resurrected Savior's ministry among the Nephites, he introduced to them the ordinance of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and taught them the significance of it. In these chapters, Moroni is illuminating this doctrine and ordinance, not by further doctrinal teaching of the symbolism or its significance, but rather by demonstrating that it was a formal ordinance that was practiced in the Nephite church. Moroni gives us the exact words of the prescribed prayer that must be offered as a part of this essential ordinance because the sacrament is not merely a ritual of remembrance, but is in very deed a solemn covenant. The specific words and phrases of the sacramental prayer are a critical part of that covenant. Perhaps Moroni realized that in the Father's abridgment, in his Father's abridgment, the doctrine of the sacrament was taught and discussed, but the words of the covenantal prayers had not been included, and that they should be in order that the latter-day reader of the Book of Mormon would better understand the significant covenants and blessings associated with the sacrament. And that was by Millet and McConkie. Verse 1, the manner of their elders and priests, notice that uh, priests also here administer the sacrament like uh, we do in our day, administering the flesh and blood of Christ unto the church, and they administered it according to the commandments of Christ. Wherefore, we know the manner to be true, and the elder or priest administer it. And they did kneel down with the church and pray to the Father in the name of Christ, saying, now notice that it says they did kneel down with the church. I think before... Uh, modern times, the, the, even all the saints knelt down during the, during the sacramental prayer, but now we just have the priest who does it. Verse 3, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son and witness. It is clear from the Book of Mormon usage of the term to witness as it relates to baptism. Um, and now I say unto you, in, in Mosiah, he says, uh, Now I say unto you if, you, if this be the desire of your hearts, what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness before him, that ye have entered into a covenant with him, that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you? Um, <clears throat> to witness, as it relates to baptism and the sacrament, that it means to enter into a solemn covenant, another way this phrase could read is, and covenant with thee. Only when we understand that as we witness, we are covenanting with the Father to do certain things, does the ordinance of the sacrament truly become a renewal of our previous covenants taken at baptism. So in other words, when it says um, that we are witnessing these things, it, it also that means that we are actually covenanting. Continuing, and that was by Millet and McConkie, continuing verse 3, Unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son. The name of Christ comes upon us not merely for, for the asking, but only as we exercise faith in him, keep his commandments, and partake of the ordinances of salvation. When we covenant to take the name of Christ, we are in fact covenanting with the Lord that we will so live our lives that we can be spiritually born of him and become his sons and, and his daughters. Those who have thus been born again become members of the family of Christ and thus take upon them the family name. They become Christians in the true sense of what of that word and are obligated by covenant to live by the rules and regulations of the royal family. 
to live a life befitting the new and sacred name they have taken. Family members bear the family name, wrote Elder McConkie. But, it, but, if they, but by it, they are known and called and identified. It sets them apart from all those of a different lineage and ancestry. Adopted children take upon themselves the name of their newfound parents and become in all respects as though they had been born in the family. And so it is that the children of Christ, those who are born again, those who are spiritually begotten by their, by their new father, take upon themselves the name of Christ. By it, they are known. In it, they are called. It identifies and it sets them apart from all others. They are now family members. Christians, in the real and true sense of the word, do they, do they themselves become Christ's? No, not in the sense that they are called upon to atone for the sins of others and make immortality and eternal life available for themselves or for their fellow men on this or any any world, but they do carry his name and are obligated to bear it in decency and dignity. And again, that was by Elder McConkie. And always remember him. When we covenant to always remember him, we are not only committing ourselves to reflect and ponder upon the mission and teachings of the Lord, but, are, but also are binding ourselves to follow the teachings of the Master and to seek diligently to walk in his footsteps, to live our lives and to treat our fellow men as we remember the Savior to have done. Elder Oaks has declared that if we are to remember Jesus, we must also follow him. He cited several specific ways by which we demonstrate our remembrance of the Savior. He calls us to take time from our daily activities to follow him and, and serve our fellow man. Even the greatest among us should be the servant of all. Those who always remember him will straightway assume and faithfully fulfill the responsibilities to which they are called by his servants. If we always remember our Savior, we will forgive and forget grievances against those who have, have wronged us. As we always remember him, we should strive to assure that we and our family members, and indeed all the sons and daughters of God everywhere, follow our Savior into the waters of baptism. This reminds each of us of our duties and proclaim the gospel, perfect the saints, and redeem the dead. We should always remember how the Savior taught us to love and to do good to one another. Loving and serving one another can solve so many problems. And keep his commandments which he hath given them, that they may ha always have his spirit to be with them. One's faithfulness to the covenants made in the, in the baptism made in baptism and renewed with worthy partaking of the sacrament, binds the Lord to his part of the covenant agreement. He has promised that we may have the influence of the Holy Ghost as a constant companion. There are many significant spiritual fruits that come to us as the Lord fulfills this promise to us. The Holy Ghost is a sanctifier, and as a result, we are forgiven of our sins and cleansed by the Holy Spirit through worthy partaking of the sacrament. If we have done wrong, if there is a feeling in our souls that we would like to be forgiven, Elder Melvin J. Ballard declared, then the method of, to obtain forgiveness is not through, through rebaptism. It is not to make confession to man, but it is to repent of our sins, to go to those against whom we have sinned or transgressed and obtain their forgiveness, and then repair to the sacrament table where, if we have sincerely repented and put ourselves in proper condition, we shall be forgiven and spiritual healing will come to our souls. It will really enter into our being. In addition to the cleansing from sin and the spiritual healing that comes of the Holy Ghost, having the Spirit with us yields great, other great blessings. If we are true to our covenants, the Spirit helps us to speak with power, brings things to our remembrance, gives us peace and joy, test, teaches and testifies of eternal truths, opens up revelations to our minds, shows us all things that we should do, strengthens body, mind, and spirit, comforts us in times of sorrow, unfolds to us the mysteries of the kingdom, 
and brings us many other spiritual blessings. Mortal minds cannot fully comprehend and words cannot fully explain what great things can come to us if we partake worthily of the sacrament and merit the Lord's promise to have his spirit with us always. And that was by Millet and McConkie. Amen. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.